haven't seen it yet. Uh, I'm sure it has been completely spoiled for you. Have you seen Doctor Strange? No, and I haven't even been spoiled either. You haven't been spoiled? No. I don't know how that's possible. I've really kind of... I, I This time I haven't even tried to not get spoiled. I just haven't come upon anything. This is one of the least... Uh, Marvel films that has any chatter of it online, I guess, because normally, like when like when Spider Man No Way Home came out, you couldn't get away from articles about it. But this like died last week. Like nobody's talking about it anymore. Like I still have tons of I just see articles nonstop. But we probably follow different shit. See, I'm not even looking at social. I'm just like I go to my news app, like the Apple News app, and that's where I get spoiled by things because the headlines really? are just so like Andrew Garfield said he wasn't in Spider-Man but guess what he was and I'm like ah fuck you know like that's how I get spoiled so I expect to see some things about Doctor Strange and that's what I mean like in the news app at least like nothing I don't know why everything disappeared about it I need you to see this fucking movie I know but it's not really kid friendly is it cuz cuz I know you're you're okay with showing your kids horror movies and stuff but like mine have nightmares and I don't want to deal with that shit cuz I want to sleep so that's why it's it's not it's more important that they don't see things that freak them out and are up all night <laughs> and then I don't get any sleep than it is to go see this movie. It's essentially like Evil Dead 2 level horror yeah. but no blood. But there's like creepy shit, right? <sighs> Maybe a couple For of kids. spots, but yeah. No, yeah. But that's enough. We were watching Beetlejuice and I forgot that like Gina Davis pulls her face off in a very comedic <laughs> moment, but it is goddamn horrifying to a five-year-old. So I was like, great. That's awesome. <laughs> so that's why I was like, I really want to go see it with them because they, they're up on it because they watched Spider-Man. We went to see that. But this is my question about Marvel movies is why are they, and I know it's Sam Raimi, but still like, why are they doing things that are less family friendly? Like the sex scene in Eternals. It was pretty PG, but still like, why is it even in there? It doesn't add anything to the storytelling and all it does is make it awkward to watch with your children why would you do that that's interesting okay people on the internet get so worked up over marvel taking over everything mm -hmm. and people really hate that they've displaced art as cinema and yada 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 i don't care <laughs> you know i don't even think they have i think there's always been since the invention of cinema there's been different kinds of movies and people like this kind and people don't like that kind but they're all movies in their own way yeah I, you know what it is it really like i like scorsese and spielberg before him like they've all said shit about stuff and coppola it's just it's they're just fucking old dudes and I'm like them about some stuff, too. But that's all it is. They're just the old generation, and they don't understand the new generations. It's just a fact. It's just it's not that they can't do good work at the same time. But I really I like the idea of Marvel branching out and having movies for different audiences. But it's a, it's a desperation play in order to try to gain critical appeal. But I just say, like, you don't need it. Don't put a sex scene in Eternals. That just wasn't a very good movie. I just thought, you know, that's just what they talk about. Oh, here's yeah. the new thing. We finally have a sex scene. And I'm like, cool, great. You know what the Marvel Universe is? It's a playground for people of all ages. Maybe you shouldn't worry about that bullshit, you know? And I'm like, if you're pulling Sam Raimi in, he's great. He, but he, I mean, he didn't, like, horror up Spider-Man movies except for that one hospital scene. But that is easily uh, noticeable when you get to it and you can fast forward through it. <laughs> Right till afterwards. And you can just tell your kids, like, yeah, Dr. Octopus escaped the hospital. Did you see Loki? Did you watch Loki? Yes. I really liked Loki. Loki was that, good. Yeah. I, I feel like that's the one Marvel show that has really 
stuck with me the most. And a common complaint that I'm hearing is these movies are requiring more and more homework. Oh yeah, like, for sure. To fully comprehend everything, you need to have seen Loki, you need to have seen WandaVision, you need to have seen Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah. I, I don't mind. Yeah, I have no complaints, but I think that's just because I'm a Marvel fan. Yeah, I don't mind either. I think we talked about this over text. Like, that's the odd thing. Like, I do think it is kind of bullshit that you have to do all this extra homework to enjoy a movie. But for critics to use that to pan the film is bullshit because it's been 15 years now of this universe building. We all know that if you want to enjoy it to the max, you need to watch the other stuff. And that's like the number one critique of this movie. And that's dumb. Any bad review is based on that. Yeah. It's annoying. Give me the direction. Give me the story. Does it flow? Is it entertaining? The Spider-Man No Way Home had, it, it hit all those boxes for me and it was a great movie. But yeah, you did need to know some of the background on, on, on the other characters, obviously, because they were talking about other Spider-Man movies. So if you didn't really know, you couldn't, I don't think you could enjoy it as much, but it didn't make it a bad film because all the other stuff was still top-notch. I'm very curious what you're going to think of it because I loved it. I loved everything that they did did it was everybody keeps putting no way home as their favorite movie uh, of the neck this phase internal logic is always going to be my biggest pet peeve and mm-hmm. spider-man this doctor strange followed logic through and through where spider-man no way home used a lot of cheats to make the logic kind of work and there was a lot of places where it didn't really are you telling me that doctor strange doesn't rely on magic often to explain no. away things no no <laughs> that the, everything a little unreal to me everything well, it's magic makes complete sense no like i mean there's sure there's spells right but but that's what it is that's how you get a get away from making sense is that you just say oh it's magic yeah and so yeah they <laughs> that's use what that all the place did. yes and they don't do that here and i love it well i guess spider-man used it all up so they were like oh, all thank right god yeah in the marvel okay, well, universe it's only the Spider-Man movies that do that a little too much, where they're fucking with logic a little. Like when, after Endgame, the next movie comes in, and he's in high school, but some of them are five years older, and yeah. some of them aren't. Why are those guys still in high school if they're five years older? Shouldn't they be in college and gone? Like, stuff like that. Well, I seem to remember that the the coincidental thing in order to get away from that is that every, every important character was uh, snapped away. <laughs> So that's how they got away from that. Because you couldn't have had, like, Ned being five years older. He'd be useless to the plot. Right. And there there was a lot of that they didn't think through yeah. very well. And that guy, that director, was going to direct Fantastic Four right. when that eventually comes out. And he backed out. And I was like, good, good, because your movies aren't Who could logical. could make a Fantastic Four movie? I don't know. Here's the, fanta- here's the only way to do a Fantastic Four movie, in my opinion. Make it a 1960s film just about the space race and everything we love about old uh, 1950s sci-fi movies. Like, that's what it should be. And they can explain it away. Because remember that Sentry character, how, like, Mr. Fantastic made the whole Marvel Universe forget oh, that the Sentry, yeah. that's how you do it. So you, they just have to say that the Fantastic Four were the original superheroes. Um, well, at least after Captain America. And then just that's everybody forgot. There you go. But it's the yeah. only way to title a movie the Fantastic Four and not make it corny in this modern world we live in is by setting it in the past and and doing it right. I would be very on board. The way Jack Kirby would have appreciated it, I think, and Stanley. But who could direct that? I don't know. The people who did Loki, maybe, because they had a great, they had a really good aesthetic to the film. It was pretty old-fashioned, or to their show. I believe the guy that wrote Loki, the showrunner, 
is the guy that wrote Doctor Strange. Yes, you're right. Maybe that's why it didn't suck. Maybe. We should probably start. Yeah, we probably should. Welcome, everybody, to this very special episode of Aaron and Justin Talk Sequels. I'm Justin. I'm Aaron. And today, we are wrapping up our longest series to date. We have been living in the Halloween universe what, how many episodes? Is this our six? I think six, yeah. For a lot of episodes. And um, no, I think today five, we are actually. talking. Yeah, five. Yeah. Uh, today we're talking Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills last year, 2021. I think so, yeah. Why was there such a big break between those movies if they knew exactly what they were doing? Or was it 2020 and, and now this one, the, the one that's coming out this year, it got delayed because of the pandemic? Oh, it was 2021 for the kills. So yeah, obviously it was just the pandemic. I don't know what I'm talking about. No, it was 2020 for kills, right? Or it was no, 2021? 21. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, but that should have been in 2020, I think, was the idea, right? I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Because I'm sure they didn't think that the 2018 was going to be as much of a huge success as it was. Well, they certainly hoped it was. Directed by David Gordon Green, both of these movies. Do you know who this guy is? Yes, he was a independent filmmaker, had a lot of critical acclaim from a movie called George Washington he made. And then I think he made another one that was a little bit more of a critically acclaimed film as well. And then all of a sudden he got in with the Seth Rogen, James Franco, Danny McBride crowd, and then made Pineapple Express. And I think also Your Highness with Natalie mm-hmm. Portman. I think that was their film as well. Yeah, so he like he he went from being this dude that was making like important films, I guess, to making the comedy heist, the the marijuana movies for that crowd. But whatever, you know. I mean, I think they're all pretty good films from what I've seen. And uh, he does he does good work. And then him and he, McBride just had an idea to do the Halloween. He made Joe. Joe. I yeah. haven't seen it, but is that the one so- with McConaughey or? Cage. Nick Cage. Nick Cage, yeah. yes. I did see Joe. That was pretty good. He's directed a lot of stuff. Most of it I have not seen because I really wasn't familiar with him before watching these movies and going, holy shit. There's a certain gravitas that comes to having the man, John Carpenter himself, say, uh, I'll be a part of this this time around for the first time in years. I'll be a producer on... Uh, Halloween and and I'm gonna let you guys tell this story and direct it I think like he really felt like like in this point in uh David Gordon Green's career his career is not on the line if this fails I think he's done plenty of good stuff and he'll continue to do good stuff but this is these are the films where he's just like I gotta be the best I've ever been as a director because everybody's counting on me to make a great Halloween movie. And I think he kind of pulls it off. Yeah. Uh, before we jump in, I want to do just a quick recap. Yeah. Um, because as we've talked about throughout this series, this is less of a franchise in more of a, well, let's try this again because this isn't working. So we have Halloween 1 and 2. Great little two movies about a night where J- Michael Myers, I almost said Jason, Goes and he uh, kills a bunch of people. The Laurie Strode story is what I like to the call it. The Laurie Strode. Yeah. Yes. The OG. Then we have Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. They tried something completely different. They tried an anthology. It didn't really work. So they went back and they did the Thorn trilogy, Halloween mm. 4, 5, and 6, where they really did some weird and wild stuff yeah. with cults and curses. But to me, like 4 and 5 are their own movies. 
because those directly follow and then they failed on those again but then they gave those that storyline one more chance in the 90s and that's where six came from but that also didn't do anything well for counting do-overs there's so many do-overs yeah that wasn't a do-over as much as i still think we can make four and five work we just need one more movie to flesh out that story i think that's what that was i'm still thinking about four where they were going to transition to the girl as the killer and then they yeah. never followed through yeah, and did a do-over true. in five and then they just went crazy with it in six with the you know the incest baby and whatnot and that sunk it they were done trying to tell that story they had no idea where to go so they did a the first reboot sequel halloween h2o and halloween resurrection were direct sequels to halloween 2 and resurrection was so bad that it put another nail in the coffin and it led the way to uh the reboot craze of the early aughts with uh what's his name therapy guys rob zombie part one and two. rob zombies halloween one and two which we did not cover on these because those are complete remakes yep so they we don't just... count as sequels and now we're here where we're in heightened horror i don't want to say prestige horror because they use prestige too much but horror as art phase is where we're at and so we have david gordon green doing a direct sequel to halloween part one none of the other sequels counted what did you think of Halloween 2018? The first time I saw it was maybe last year sometime before I knew we were going to do these movies. And I was kind of bored with it. I don't know why. It just didn't really grab me. But then having watched all of the Halloween movies, it made me get involved with where this franchise was going. So then when I got to this movie and saw it again, I had a whole new appreciation for it. And it, yeah. it just happened. That's how it that's how, now I finally understand what it's like to be a franchise devotee. Yeah, it's absolutely insane the refreshing fresh of breath the fresh of breath air that these movies were after <laughs> watching all of these Halloweens. It's fun to see the different takes, the different ways they want to take Michael. And I feel like they looked at the original Halloween and really kept it so simple. There was a crazy killer guy. He went and he killed a bunch of people. So we arrested him and he's been in jail for the last 40 years because that's what you do with bad people. And it's a bit of a cheat because they don't have to do much heavy lifting. Like the idea is that we're a sequel. We're a new movie, but we are technically sequel so we'll just let them tell that story and we just need to tie a couple you know things together in order to get going on this one like where did they get that i mean they incorporated loomis into these movies so well yeah which i thought was a pretty good it's, it had to have been cgi in, in some way i almost it feel like it had to be old footage yeah because most of the time he's just being like michael I don't know. No, they they definitely had somebody do his voice. I know that. It wasn't actual Donald Pleasance. Yeah, it was like an imitation. Really? Yeah, that I read. They brought somebody back to record new dialogue. I don't remember where it starts. Does it start in the past where we see the cops surrounding <laughs> Michael? The way they explain it is that he went home, right? Because he was after Lori, but that wasn't Michael Myers' house. That was her house or the house she was babysitting at, right? He gets right. shot, falls off the balcony. That's the first movie. He disappears. He ends up going into his home. I think you're thinking Halloween Kills. I know. See, this is the problem. This one just had a very simple um, just explanation because they needed some resolution to be like, well, he just disappeared at the end of the first one. So they had a very simple thing where 
all of the cops were surrounding him outside. But that was in um, Halloween Kills as well. Maybe we are both misremembering. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> oh, this is not going to be good. <laughs> we've got we see Michael in prison with those podcasters, and that yep. scene. I loved. It wasn't as grating to me uh, because I hate when they bring up like what's popular now and it's not going to be, it's going to seem dated in like 10 years, this whole podcasting thing. I I know that's funny, but you know, uh, something about it just feels like that's going to be dated, but, but they're not just podcasters, pad, podcasters in the way that they are like true crime podca- podcasters, right? Which right. is One a of the huge biggest. thing, or at least was a big thing in 2018. But, you know, the beauty of, of, of what also I wanted to mention about David Gordon Green's directing and also the production design of the movie is like the way she's dressed, the girl in the podcaster that he intentionally evokes the night the late 70s uh but not like he doesn't hit you over the head with it but it makes the film feel of a piece with the original halloween in more ways than one like he almost he gets his own directing style in it but he also like makes it he doesn't go overboard to like say it's modern day or it's the past. He kind of leaves it a little in the middle, and I kind of like that. There's a cell phone when you need to sell, see a cell phone, and people's the way they're dressed in their wardrobe is kind of old-fashioned in a way. Anyway, that's just what I liked about it. It's one of those good production designers that plans on people watching this 40 years from now instead of people watching it in the theater yes. now. And that's yeah. why things like, I'm a podcaster kind of get to me because you know it just feels like something that it's going to be replaced in 10 years by another term or whatever see the that argument like podcasting has been around since like for like 20 years now probably and it was just we never paid attention to it until now so they seem to be they're on a mission with this true crime podcast they want to be the first ones to get a reaction out of michael and his doctor just lets this happen which is just ridiculous ridiculous no doctor would really let that happen (laughs) after 40 years he might be like all right fuck it let's try it and so their doctor lets them hold up the mask that he wore during the crime and the masks are fun how do you like how they aged that thing i like how they did it and also i thought it was a pretty smart idea about how to get the mask back into the movie and so i was sitting here thinking wait how does michael get a hold of that mask and but uh so we see they're really good about Michael having a face and not showing us. But they really push it in these two movies. You almost see his face. It's always kind of blurred out whenever they show it straight on. But I don't know. I don't know about that. That kind of bothers me. I don't want to even see that anything about his face. I like that he's a person. He's this terrible presence that's also a person. And so, yeah, we see the white hair. We see that he's a huge old man played by the original actor just because they could and that's awesome yeah sometimes i guess nick castle the guy originally played him he wasn't in it too much like he's i don't think he's the old dude Um, i don't the only i think the only time nick castle is in it is when he's in the mask but only for like maybe one or two scenes if you watched the uh movies that made us those documentaries that are on netflix and the one on halloween they, they talked to nick castle he's one of the interviews like that guy is not gonna be cast as michael myers at his age he's just he doesn't have the body for it anymore like he's just an old dude so they were just being nice and bringing him back and thought it was probably fun to put him in the mask sometimes so there's an awesome bus crash 
when they're transferring Michael, because that was pretty much the thing, was that they, the hospital had just given up to him and they were going to send him to prison. Now, did we see the bus crash? I forget. No, I don't believe so. It's already crashed. Uh, there's a there's a boy and his father who were hunting yes. uh, that come upon it. And classic callback to the original movie where Michael escaped from the penitentiary the first time. Mm-hmm. You see the prisoners wandering around in the woods, yep. much in the same way you see them here. Michael kills the shit out of this father and son yeah he kills a kid that was hardcore uh, yeah like they're setting the tone uh, really quick that this is just a brutal killer he's only interested in killing and he's going back home again yeah and on the on the bus the kid because his dad is like stay here i need to go see and help obviously it's not a good move for the dad to do the dad's now dead uh the kid takes the shotgun because they were hunting and goes on the bus to find his dad also not a good move, but that made a little sense to me because his dad's out there. He doesn't know where he is. And he accidentally shoots the doctor who's still in the bus, who's still alive, which is so funny. It was like, oh, shit, sorry, and he ran. And that's when the kid gets killed. Michael takes the truck. He's out of there. But the, So the doctor is a presence still. The doctor's still alive. Okay, where did he get the mask back? Okay, I can't exactly connect the dots to where Michael picked up the trail of the podcasters. But they stop at a gas station, and he's got that father-son truck, and he's basically found them. He kills her and the guy in the bathroom, gets into their trunk, takes his mask back. Also, because he's at a gas station, that's where he can get his, his uh, classic gray coveralls, and he killed a uh, auto worker in there. So, no. So, there you go. Michael Myers is back. Mask, coveralls. He's ready to go back to Haddonfield. And I love that it's the original mask. They made that point just because where the fuck in reality would he get another one of those masks 40 years later? Yep. And also that that whole scene very with the auto mechanic is, is found dead. Like that's definitely a callback to the sequel to Halloween 2. Yeah. Yeah. So Laurie Strode, what do you think of how they handled her character? It was the Linda Hamilton Terminator 2 approach, which is tried and true. It's perfectly fine. She's been preparing for war ever since this happened. Her mindset is similar to the way Jamie Lee Curtis played Laurie Strode in Halloween H2O. She's still paranoid that at that time, 20 years later, he still may come back because they never found him. Now in this movie, he's safely in prison, but she's Sarah Connored herself into building like this arsenal of weapons, uh, making her house into like a death trap, you know, a, a compound, teaching her young daughter how to defend herself with weapons as well, living these 40 years of her life, expecting, I guess, Michael Myers to break out of prison and come find her, even though she knows where he is and probably doesn't have to be as paranoid as as she makes her out to be. But at the same time, this is obviously a comment on mental health and, and paranoia and people that go through PTSD trauma and how they're still dealing with it all these years later. So anyway, but the thing that really made the movie work for me is that, uh, Judy Greer, who plays her daughter, she's a good presence in the film because she's able to be kind of a go-between. She's able to be the character. She's able to be the audience looking at her mom, who's paranoid and crazy, but all of a sudden grew up with it. So she kind of understands where she's coming from. And I just felt like she was more of the audience, uh, more than the granddaughter was, because the granddaughter fills the scream you know, kind of performance where you need a young teenage girl to go through this shit. I feel the exact same way. It's through the Sarah Connor thing is fine. I get bored with it, but it's fine. What really makes 
Lori work in these movies is the dynamic with her family. And I feel like they nailed it. Like, I feel like everybody has that family member that's like, Jesus Christ, this shit again? Come on. Yeah, who's yours? That's my dad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think now is as good of a time as any to take a sponsored ad break. It's our first ever. Let's go ahead and roll that footage. Roll that beautiful bean footage? Roll that audio. Hello, everybody out there. I wonder if you might be interested in helping this old guy out. I need to sell a Ford 8N tractor. I'm the third owner. The tractor is like 70 years old, but it runs better than my pickup truck. Speaking of my pickup truck, it's a 99 truck and I gotta hold the door closed when I'm driving down the highway because the door won't latch. I have no heat, I have no air conditioning, I have no radio and there's a spring popping up on the seat that I sit on and it's tearing my pants and the the back of the truck, the tailgate doesn't want to stay closed. I'm afraid I'll lose all my stuff in the back. And that would be terrible if somebody got injured if it fell out. I just got a question. Has anybody ever fell out of a pickup truck when the door flies open on them? It also used a lot of oil, and I can't afford this high-priced oil. So if you want to buy my truck, or not my truck, my tractor, uh, which is in great shape, phone, well... Do I have to give, do I have to give my phone number? I wonder. I don't know. Anyway, just get in contact with me somehow. It is a beautiful tractor and it runs great and it looks nice. For 50 years old or no, for being 70 years old, it looks like brand new. Thank you for your consideration. Uh, well, there you go. How much did he pay for that? <sighs> I don't remember i think he said i owed him money anyway oh yeah this is a good way to do it anyway back to the movie (laughs) another thing that i really like about these movies star wars trilogy no no i told you in the last podcast i said let this be the last time we talk about star wars it's never gonna happen not specifically talking about star wars god ever I knew you were going to do this to me. These are... <laughs> I'm I, I'm going to take this back at some point. I know I will. But right now, I feel like these are the best legacies... Not the, but some of the best legacy sequels out there. In the way they bring the subject matter into the future, but also use the original cast to build in a newer cast. Like, that granddaughter could be the future of the franchise if they wanted to... And we're getting those stakes here. They're holding our hands, transitioning us to the new characters without shoving it down our throats. I like the sequel trilogies. They were fine other than the last one. And I feel like this is a great formula that should be followed by other filmmakers. Because the way they just incorporated everything was pretty damn perfect. What I really appreciate about Dana McBride and David Gordon Green's writing and direction on this is that there's a lot of homage and there's a lot of tropes usage. But they don't do it in a way that bothered me. There's the there's the high school party 
and there's the Sarah Connor character and there's things that you've seen in other movies. I would those would be like groan inducing to me if I see them in in these in movies. But for some reason it all worked in this one. So I'm like, all right, you know, this is pretty good. I feel like Halloween Kills did a little bit of taking it in a new direction and that's what I liked about that movie, but we'll get to that. It's a very distinct Michael Myers that we have. He's not the same person and I don't you're right and I'm having a hard time putting my finger on why I think that but I'm I'm completely there. I don't think that Halloween 2018 is a new take on Halloween. I guess I'll put that out there. Like I don't think it's a look what they did to re-energize this. I feel like all they did was make a nice sequel to the original and I enjoyed it and I thought it was really entertaining. I do think that Halloween Kills did a pretty good job, at least for the first two halves, of bringing something new to the story. I'm interested to find out what you're going to say there. But maybe fell apart for me at the end. We'll see. So yeah, so there's Lori. Michael's here. Lori's there. uh, And she has a family. She's got uh, her daughter. Is it Allison? I think Allison is the granddaughter. Um, Karen? Is there a Karen? Can I have a Karen? Let's see. And then Ray is the husband of her daughter. And he's yes. kind of funny. Yeah, I liked Ray. Yeah, Ray Judy Greer is Karen. Yeah. Karen. So there's Ray is the husband. Karen's the daughter of Lori. Allison is the granddaughter. Um, but Allison wants to connect with her grand grandmother, even, even though Karen thinks that her mom's crazy and is only going to do damage if she involves her in Allison's life. Because Karen was brought up by Lori to be this Sarah Connor type character, but the state took her away yeah. because they deemed Lori was too crazy to be a mom. And so at, at least they're on good terms. Yeah. Karen wants to keep her distance, but Allison is like, I'm graduating. These are special times in my life. So I want my grandmother here. So that's kind of how people start getting connected again. And wouldn't you know it, Michael Myers is loose and Haddonfield yet again. Yeah. The second that bus crashes, Lori finds out and, She's already up her daughter's ass about getting prepared because he's coming, even though they don't really know it. And nobody believes her. No, not at all, because she's just that crazy old lady. To their own detriment. Uh, Allison has a boyfriend as well. He kind of gets, he's kind of around the periphery. And then there's like a friend of the boyfriend. And then he's like one of Michael's victims. What is her boyfriend's name? Because he makes it to kills, doesn't he? He does. He's a bigger part of kills. You know, but the other thing is is that Lori gets crazier near Halloween. Because he just happens to come back right on Halloween. So I think that's also the, the issue. Her PTSD kicks into overdrive around this time of year. Michael saw the podcasters at his sister's grave and followed them. Oh, that's right. That's... Yes, yes, yes. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. And his sister is not Lori Strode mind you yes no because this is a sequel after the first one now every halloween movie up until now still worked with the fact that they were sister and brother yeah Um, at least in this franchise does the ram zombie one ever go there no 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 okay so because they knew it was kind of stupid too uh (laughs) no it does go there does it uh yeah because she was a baby Lori was and she ended up an orphan Okay, well, I give Rob Zombie credit for trying to make it work <laughs> because yeah. I do think it it really derailed the franchise the fact that they were... John Carpenter and Deborah Hill just came up with this ridiculous premise to make the sequel a little more fun, and now they had to run with it. Anyway, but these guys are like, no, we're not, we're not doing that anymore. Uh, yeah. So Laurie's just straight-up victim, and yeah. Michael's got some unfinished business, I guess. That's why he... 
But does he? But 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 do they talk about the fact that he's actually going after Laurie in this movie, or do they kind of come to the realization that he just wants to go home? Yeah, like does he go after Laurie, or does Laurie go after him? Laurie what goes after for... him. I believe yeah. she shoots him while he's out and about. Like she almost instigates it. I could be wrong, but I feel like that's what happens because she's with the cop played by uh, what's his name? I remember Will Patton. Him. Will Patton in Armageddon. So he's a cop, and he explains in the in the first movie that he was part of the crew that captured Michael originally. And then we actually see what he's talking about in Halloween Kills. Yes. I, and that's kind of how I mix up the beginnings, because I can't remember what was in what. But I don't think we see him as a young man in the first movie. That's not until the sequel. But he's very on top of it. He's very prepared, because they find out that Michael was on the bus. And he confronts Michael pretty quick. And he's got the doctor with him. Yes. That's the other important part. Yeah, because so this new doctor is playing the Loomis character. He was a student of Loomis's, so he's invested with Michael as well. He was on the bus, he got shot, he's injured, but he's with the cop. The doctor attacks the cop? The doctor is the reason. That's what I was alluding to early, that I can't believe this doctor is just standing by while these podcasters are antagonizing his patient. But the whole reason Michael escaped is the doctor's fault. The doctor went crazy, and he wanted to see Michael in his element and what kind of evil this man really was and would he really go after Lori. He's the one that brings Michael to Lori. He's the one that was able to connect Michael to where Lori lived on her little compound. So when the doctor's about to kill Michael, I'm sorry, when the cop is about to kill Michael, the doctor stops the cop. And Allison is in the back of the police car, remember? And that's where the whole story comes out, is that the doctor caused the bus accident somehow. I totally the forgot doctor, about this. You totally forgot it. Yeah, the doctor was the reason Michael escaped. And now uh, Michael's unconscious. He puts Michael into the cop car. The doctor's driving the cop car. Allison is back with Michael now in the back seat. And he drives them uh, almost all the way to Lori's house, where Lori, Ray, and and Karen are. That's how Allison gets there. Michael kills the doctor. And then that's how it all comes to a head when they are at Lori's compound. <laughs> you, don't, you don't remember that? It was all I the doctor. I don't know why. Yeah. Everything would have been very coincidental. And I'm not saying it wouldn't have worked as a coincidence, but everything would have been way too coincidental. The fact that Michael could have figured all this out and got and, and tried to kill Lori. So it made sense to me that there was an instigator and that's the doctor. Hmm. But that's how they connect. Uh, Michael ends up killing Ray outside Lori's house because Ray goes out. He thinks it's the cops and stuff and they're all dead. Michael kills him. Which is sad. I liked him. He makes it into the house. He attacks Lori. Uh, Karen and Allison are hiding in the basement. The biggest thing that bothered me about the movie is that she's trained her whole adult life to be a badass. She's accrued dozens upon dozens of automatic weapons. So what do people do? And they do this in Halloween Kills. There are more guns than people in this country, and nobody brings an automatic weapon. Like something that would fire a fucking thousand rounds into this guy and tear him to pieces. Everybody just brings a handgun and a shotgun, and they get off one or two shots before they're killed. And that's the stupidest thing. She's got all those weapons down there, but she grabs the goddamn shotgun. We're to the one part of the movie that I have an issue with. She has basically rigged her basement as a way to kill Michael. Yes, it was a death trap. That's what I like. I like the death trap. What I don't like is that she stored everything down there. If you know it's a death trap, why would you store it all down there? I don't know, man. Because it, So it comes out like she, she kind of says something to the fact that, like, yes, you all think I was afraid he might escape and come to kill me. 
but my plan has always been to kill him. Uh, she kind of says something like that, and this was her idea. So once they trick him into the basement, everybody gets the fuck out of the basement except for Michael, and he's like, there's like these secret bars that come over and, and keep him down there, and she sets the whole thing on fire because she had that all rigged up where the whole house would catch fire. But she, she got stabbed in the stomach, so she's bleeding out. So it made sense to me that they were like, we have to get her to the hospital. But I do think, and this would have been very unlike a horror movie, one of them should have stayed behind just to make sure he was dead. <laughs> but they're all, they're all, you know, they're three generations of women. They're all freaking out. They just are trying to murder this guy. They've been through a lot of trauma. I guess it makes sense to me that they head out to the road and flag down the nearest vehicle they can. And their grandma's bleeding out and they got to go to the hospital. So they just expect him to be dead in the fire. Yeah. And the way I thought was pretty well, what they did is they set up the movie to be like, he could very well be dead. Like if the movie didn't do amazing this right. would have been it, and Michael Myers would have been dead. So there you go. Boom. That's Halloween 2018. It ends kind of the same way as Halloween 2, with him being blown up and on fire. Yeah, and we will just move immediately into Halloween Kills, where the fire department's coming to put her house out. They actually mm -hmm. pass the truck that yeah. they're in the back of, and she's like, no, no! <laughs> I didn't consider yeah. that Let we employed burn. people to put fires out. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, what That's was she going like... to do? If one of you just would have stayed behind, Explained I say Karen, she could have been like, whoa, wait a minute. We got to make sure he's dead. Let's just let the thing burn. You all know Michael Myers, right? Everybody knows Michael Myers. He's, he terrorized this place 40 years ago, and he just came back to terrorize again. I'm sure it's all over social media and the news. Yeah. I'm sure the firemen would have held back. But no, yeah. they don't. This is a controlled burn, guys. Not an accident. The firemen tried to put out the fire. And this is what I fucking loved about this movie is when the firefighters are the reason Michael escapes. And he fucking goes crazy. It is my favorite part of both of these movies is how this scene is directed when he kills like 14 firemen. I absolutely loved it but it was one of the main reasons that this movie wasn't as critically well received i get that I and do. you know what i god damn was because it, it was fucking <laughs> i know it's so fucking fun all the camera angles like being inside the fireman mask and seeing the blood and the the axe going in it was just it was really well done and it made the movie enjoyable to me Yes, Michael has escaped the blast, kind of. He's he's a little burnt up. By but it made the mask the look a little safe. cooler, too. Yes. Because it was a little burned up. So, yeah, he's, he's changed a little bit. And he climbs out of the burning building, and there's that shot of him on the porch just fucking looking at the fire department. And he's kind of like, all right, we're going to do this. Well, it's because, like, the original Halloween, the only time he was supernatural is that he got shot six times by Loomis, but he's gone at the end. Yeah. So that is the only time it's just like, is he more than a man? We don't know. So when he comes back in, in 2018's version, he's pretty much just a man again. He just is kind of a strong guy. We don't know why he's so strong, but it's not really supernatural. So what do no. they do in this sequel is this is the first time where he is made to be like a Superman. And I just think that with the fireman and the way he grips the axe in his hand and it's just like, I'm going to kill every one of you, even though I shouldn't be able to because I'm a 60-year-old dude and there's 14 of you strong-ass firemen, but I still managed to overcome everybody. This, to me, is like where they start to get back into the supernatural version of Michael Myers. And that worked for me. God, it worked good. We get Will Patton still laying on the ground from the doctor's wounds, and the Ezra Miller lookalike finds him and helps him. Future Flash is what I'm going to call him. He's getting that role, I'm telling you. <laughs> um, 
there's some complaints about the fact that Lori is just sitting in this hospital bed yes. the entire time. That is not a win for this film, is that she's just sitting around. But she does have, like, traumatic stomach surgery, and, yeah, yeah, a lot of that's going on. The cop is brought there, so they're kind of in the same room, and they can chat about things. And that's where he's able to go into his past a little bit, I think, around that time. And that how he was a young cop. Uh, he accidentally kills his partner trying to capture Michael. It's real fucked up. Yeah. And then we get to see Loomis, which I tell you, that's got to be CGI. And it was really well done. Yeah. Where he's looking up the stairs at him. But if he. You know what it was, viewers? Uh, tweet at yeah. us. Yeah. He stops Loomis from killing Michael because he's just, he's just that wide eyed police officer still doing it because he yeah. believes in law and justice <laughs> at that time. But so he feels responsible now that he's back. But yeah, anyway, Lori's in the hospital. Her kids are there, her daughter and granddaughter. Uh, The news is getting around that Michael's come back to terrorize Halloween. And this is where they kind of invent a new part to Halloween. And this is what I liked about the movie is that they bring in the other characters. We get the community involvement similar to... Was it five? Number five, I think, yeah. Yeah. Where the posse um, gets together. I think that was five, yeah. So this is the homage to five, I felt. We have Tommy Doyle, now a grown-up. Tommy Doyle. Played previously by Paul Stephen Rudd, or whatever his middle name was. Whoever the kid was in the original one, and then they yes. brought him back for The Curse of Michael Myers, and that was Paul Rudd. And now you get Anthony Michael Hall. And he's good. He's good. He's one of our, I I don't, I don't know if he's underrated, but he's not, he's not, he's more than a character a- actor, but he's not exactly an A-lister. He's kind of somewhere in the middle, but yeah. he is, uh, he's good in everything he does. And I think that's what's great about bringing Anthony Michael Hall into this. He was another recognizable character of a local who has kind of lived out his whole life with this one traumatic incident too. We see that impact um, because he's at the bar with the woman that Lori was babysitting. Lori was babysitting the girl. She's all grown up now. And then the, the original nurse from Halloween as well. Yes. And they bring in a new character. There's a kid that came upon Michael supposedly in the first movie. Yes. around that time so he's now here too yeah and he's the father of allison's boyfriend the ezra miller lookalike yes thank you so they all gather on halloween to commemorate those who were killed and also to cheers Lori wherever she is you know but she's a community member but they all know that she's been suffering from ptsd from this as well so it doesn't yeah. feel like she's a hermit like she definitely gets out she, just, she doesn't have any friends anymore i guess that's that's who Lori is they have a couple who are going out to their car and they're like He's outside! He's outside! They all go outside as a group. And they bring their bats. And and maybe a shotgun, maybe a handgun. Nobody's got anything bigger for some reason. And it was. He was outside. And he steals a car and he drives away. No, that wasn't him. That wasn't him? No. Who was it? In the original, in, in the first movie, uh, I'm sorry, in Halloween 2018... Uh, there is another escape. They all escaped from the bus, right? There was yeah. one... One of the other escapees is the guy that was hiding in the car. Oh, yeah. yeah but so wait. he gets out of He gets the fuck out of there. Michael kills that couple really quick. Where He ends up killing these punk-ass kids who were all wearing the masks from Halloween 3, which is an homage to that movie, remember? The pumpkin and the witch and the oh, skull. Oh, yes. Yeah. He goes and kills them. Everybody like splits up, and Doyle's kind of the leader, and he's like, "We got to go. We're not going to let this shit happen again in this town. We're going to go find Michael, and we're going to kill him. Evil dies tonight." Yeah. So they go out there. Um, it wasn't Doyle. It was just it was um Lance Tovali. 
was his it name? was the who's lance Devali? that was the name of the other fugitive oh okay uh, it's um, it's the girl who was babysat by Lori. She, the nurse, and that couple go out, and they come upon the kids uh, and they... in the park, and that's where Michael kills like everybody there. Kills the yes. nurse, and that's where his hands smashes the glass, like in in the first movie. Um, and then Tommy comes upon that, and he's with Ezra Miller, lookalike's father. So people are just dying. The neighborhood's trying to stop Michael as well. They all believe he's coming to the hospital because Lori, because uh, Karen's trying to keep the fact that Michael's still alive <laughs> from Lori, <laughs> but she ends up finding out. Everybody converges on the hospital. It's kind of becomes like a compound in, it, in itself. But Allison wants to get out with the rest of the neighborhood and kill Michael as well because it's yep. obviously affected her family. Her boyfriend's in on it. But the escaped mental patient that isn't Michael Myers goes to the hospital looking for help. But they all assume that's Michael Myers. So they end up chasing him around. And all they were trying to say in that scene where he ends up like jumping out of a window because they're about to like tear him to pieces is that Michael has made all of the community go fucking batshit crazy and turned into a mob. And they're all evil now because they were trying to kill this guy. You know, it's just like a comment on in order for society to remain civil, we must act civilized. That kind of thing as Rod Sterling would have said. <laughs> yes, no, that's exactly right. And there's so many little bits that have fallen out of my memory and I'm mad about yeah. it. Like Karen tries to save the, the guy, you know, because she knows he's not Michael, but everybody's looking for blood. Um, It doesn't really go anywhere. That's the only, that's where things start to fall apart for me in this movie is that that's a nice scene and all, but it doesn't really go anywhere because the community still gets out once they find out where Michael really is and they try to kill him. Uh, Lori's in the, still in the hotel or the hotel, the hospital the whole time. But Allison and the boyfriend and his dad go to Michael Myers' house because they're like, he's not going to the hospital. He's going to go home. He wants to go home. He's always just wanted to go home. Yes. So what does he do? He's like, I'm going to go in by myself. Stay here, kids. And it plays I was like, what the fuck? with the audience expectations right there. Lori is a non-factor. Michael yeah. escaped from prison and wanted to go home. And he's just murdering everyone in his way. He's getting in his way. Yeah. yeah. He's definitely had a little fun killing, but he's oh, also no, he's... murdering because people are in his way. So, yeah, he kills Lonnie. Allison and Cameron rush in. Oh, but his house is now owned by this. Like, oh, my God. How did I forget about the <laughs> by awesome this, gay couple? By this happy couple. <laughs> They're pretty um, funny. Isn't the one guy from Mad TV? Do you remember him? Yes, the other guy. Yeah. Did you yeah. ever watch The Mick? Um, uh, I know of it, but I haven't seen it. It was a really good show that only lasted two seasons, and he was in it, and he was great. Okay. He looks familiar. He looked like, I thought he was, um, what's his name from Scream when I first saw him? Skeet. Skeet Ulrich, you know? Mm. Yeah. I thought it was him for a second. <laughs> that is something that they had Michael do in here that I don't know if they did that much in the originals. Remind me. He plays with the bodies he poses them in the exact same way they're posed in a photo that he sees. Yeah, he he does whatever he, he mutilates just for the sake of it or he or he places them in grotesque ways. So yeah. he's he's a real killer that enjoys it for real. Yeah, he did do that I feel like with Laurie's friends in the original. He kills the shit out of Ezra Miller look like. Oh my god. Oh yeah. I did not brutal. think they were going to do it and it was brutal. It was very brutal, but like right when the dad is like, "No, you stay here. I'm going to go in." That's where the movie fell apart for me because 
they just started doing stupid things the characters wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. So he goes in, he's obviously dead. So Allison and her boyfriend have to go in. She finds one of the people dead on the floor, one of the homeowners. So she like drops her weapon and is like, oh no, crying over this one. Like you just, you must have seen a couple people dead already. Yeah. He's loose in the house. Why are you collapsing about this person you don't know? And then as Ezra Miller lookalikes, like, I'm going to go check out what that noise is by myself. Stay here. You know, like, he just leaves. So then they get set. I just, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why are you doing this movie? You were doing so good before this. The thing I love about him killing future frat Flash, it was just a great piece of filmmaking in terms of messing with the audience. Because the audience doesn't think they're going to kill him. And he's still alive. And we think as long as he's alive, we're good. And she's trying to get Michael away from him. So Michael listens and he's starting to go. And we see him struggling to stay alive. And we're like, okay, he's going to make it. And then Michael stops. Right, He's got his head stuck in a banister. Just twists his head all the way around. Ending all suggestion that he might make it. And it was great. Michael also gets tricked into going out in the street, and then he ends up massacring Tommy Doyle and all of the neighbors. Why are you? Way. Why are you skipping over this? But that doesn't that that happens before? No. Oh, that's the Allison part. Okay. So Allison, he's about to kill Allison when Karen hits him with a pitchfork, takes his mask, and is like, "Get away from her! If you want somebody." get me and so she starts he starts chasing her they go at least don't they go at least a street over something like that yeah and then all the lights turn on and she gets her fun empowered moment i'm my mom's daughter or whatever she said and she had lured him into a trap but she lured him into a trap in the first movie as well where she pretends to be helpless and then goes got you motherfucker and this is like the second time she does it. I'm like, yeah, well, this time ain't going to work either. Both female empowerment moments for her are complete failures. That's funny. I didn't remember the first one, but I remembered this one so clearly. There's all, We already know there's a Halloween Ends movie coming out. Obviously, he's not going to get killed, and he massacres everybody. But yes, this was another scene that I loved just like at the beginning. I didn't love it at this point because I'm like, why the fuck are you guys bringing baseball bats? <laughs> And like one handgun, bring out the heavy artillery. They won't do it. There's just a nice (laughs) moment where it's almost like Michael shrugs and he's like, all right, let's do this. Bends over, slowly puts his mask back on, and then he just takes a giant beating. We were pretty sure that he's going to lose and then... He has no, we're not, because hero. we know there's another movie already. I know, I know. <laughs> he has this superpower moment where he just starts tearing them all apart. There's a little break in the time here, I'm pretty sure. It's not immediately, because, you know, Judy Greer's there. And then we cut to Judy Greer looking out a window. She goes up to his window of his old house for some reason. And Allison's still alive. Lori's in the hospital still. Judy Greer is overtaken by the moment of this is where young Michael lived. I just feel compelled to go up to his second floor. And then she gets killed by Michael Myers because he's up there for some reason. I really don't know how that comes together. Yeah, he kills Karen. Judy's dead. I was sad and the movie ends. And the next one is going to be called Halloween Ends. And apparently this will put the nail in the proverbial coffin that is Michael Myers and officially end for now. But, you know, 20 years from now, they'll want to bring him back all of them will be dead by this point except for allison and she might get into contract negotiations about reprising her role anyway uh but there is a extended version 
that's only like four minutes longer on HBO. I don't know if you happen to watch that. I don't know. The extended version, her phone starts ringing while she's dead on the ground. Lori's calling from the hospital. It answers, and you just hear Michael Myers breathing. And Lori goes, I'm coming for you, you son of a bitch. She grabs the knife that Allison left her. Oh, uh, no, I saw that. At her hospital. Yeah, and then she just takes a triumphant walk, like, I'm going to finally kill him. And I'm thinking at that point, like, yeah, right, yeah, we'll see what happens. And that's yeah. how the movie ends. But they cut off that whole little epilogue part for the uh, proper release, I guess. See, it would have been better if it had just stayed on that phone ringing. And then with Halloween ends, like it, the movie starts with Jamie putting the phone down and getting worried. I'm hoping they do another seamless and that this is really just in a very short period of time. It's not. Let me tell you that. It's going to be like four years later. What? I already, I already read that on Wikipedia. Uh. So everybody's dealing with the fallout of this thing that happened a couple of years ago. Unless it's wrong. But yeah, so I just ruined that for you. <laughs> now, I did. I really liked the, the Halloween 2018. I thought it was good. I liked two-thirds of Halloween Kills. But once the characters started doing things that were tropey and, and nobody would actually do, it just got to me too much. And I'm like, yeah, this is dumb. Because then it made the movie, instead of trying to keep doing new things, it just made it a stopgap until it officially ends in the next movie. Like, nothing new is now happening. Jamie Lee Curtis has teased that it's gonna get bonkers. And so I'm very curious to see where they go with it. Maybe Michael's working at a convenience store and she drives <laughs> by and he's like, oh shit. Excuse me yeah, a moment. I think he'll have a wife and kids now. <laughs> he just tries to put it behind him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I need to, look, Laurie, I need to put this all behind me. All right? You should do the same. <laughs> <laughs> they were really good. I was a big fan. That was a great way to finish the franchise. But we haven't finished the franchise. We're just in a delay now until the new movie comes out and then we can cover it. I just realized I've lived in this world of Halloween for so long. I usually don't like to do new movies because it's just too quick to do spoilers. I just don't like doing spoilers. It's fair. Um, but I also feel like we have to cover Halloween Ends as soon as it comes out to finally finish off all of this franchise. I feel the same way. I think we should go see the movie and then immediately live stream our reaction to it. Maybe we'll <laughs> record the movie in the theater and talk about it in the theater. Perfect. And yeah, nobody that would get mad about that. not illegal at all. No. no. <laughs> uh, so, Aaron, this has been a joy. Let's take a little while before we cover uh, 10 movies in the same franchise again. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. We should do once a year for something crazy like this uh, mm -hmm. for all of you out there please rate and review the podcast that helps please follow us on social media argue with us about something stupid we we would love it i'll see you later we'll see you then <laughs> <laughs>